we come to open your word, indeed we recognize worthy is your name. You alone are worthy of the glory. Again, acknowledging you, creator of the universe, author of our salvation, thank you for the grace. As we open your word this morning, we ask that you'd open our minds and our hearts, that your Holy Spirit would work from inside and, and, and just cause us to be able to uh, receive what you have for each of us this morning, uh, that we might... Uh, uh, no matter what place we are in our walk and, and in our needs, I'm confident that your word this morning can minister to each and every one of us. And so we yield to you, ask that you would uh, just open again, open our eyes, our hearts, our minds to you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Last week, in Romans chapter 12, verse 9, I only got through half of the verse, and for such a short verse, that's kind of, you know, you think you'd be able to get it all, but, you know, I'm going to go there again this morning and finish it up. So Romans chapter 12, verse 9, let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, and hold fast. To what is good. Last week, we looked at the idea of genuine love. What is genuine love? And, and you could see why just that phrase, in fact, it takes up volumes if you really get to it, to, to look at it and see uh, what the idea of this genuine love, a love without hypocrisy, a love that, that is offered in a sense of not 
you know, because of what you get, but because of, of who he is. Uh, he is, again, the God of all creation. He is worthy of our praise. And yet, on top of that, our thanksgiving that goes with that. A genuine love is full of thanksgiving. We talked about that a little bit last week as well. Without hypocrisy requires the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and an ongoing work of the Holy Spirit, and it's the filling of the Holy Spirit in order to have this love, this genuine love. And with that happening, there's two things that we're called to do. Uh, and, and remember, as we, we look at this, that genuine love is a process. Uh, I, I hope that you, last week, when that was one of the things I, I really wanted to emphasize, it's a growing process. Both in Philippians and in Thessalonians, Paul speaks about, may your love abound, grow more and more. In fact, he was commending them for their, their love, and then he says, but more. And this is something that goes on as the, the transforming of, our, of, of our, our mind, the renewing of our mind, uh, the causing us to, to draw into Christ uh, closer every day, opening the word and, and resting in his grace. All of this is a process that as it grows, in fact, I was uh, talking with uh, someone this morning in reference to trials and tribulations that come along day by day, and we've sung, even in the song, when it's going well and when it's not going well, I will still, what? Praise the Lord and, and give him the glory, and, and the result of that being that, that our faith grows even stronger, according to Romans chapter 5, as, as we even go through trials and tribulations, because it causes us to have to rest in him. And as it does, our hope and our longing for what he has ahead grows as well. And so uh, this love without hypocrisy, this genuine love, uh, it's, it causes changes in our lives. And there are two major changes that are listed here in, in verse 9 of chapter 12. Abhor evil and to uh, hold fast to what is good. Uh, go back, I think it was two weeks ago when I was talking about Again, referencing the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Spirit uh, in Ephesians uh, chapter 5, uh, talking about uh, the don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit, 518, verse 5, uh, chapter 5, verse 18 in Ephesians. And I want to go back to that, that uh, verse this morning, except into its full context, uh, starting with verse 15. So Ephesians 5.15, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. In verse 16, it says, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. It's the same word evil there that is in 12.9. And because I had been looking up things two weeks ago, I, I had connected these two things, and, and, I, and I realized as I was doing it, as I was looking at, to abhor evil, what is evil, does that mean I abhor the days? You know, and so it, obviously there's something more to this idea that the days are evil. What is, and, and what we'll take a look at that this morning, and the, what it is we are to abhor, what it is we are to hold fast to. Um, and I have to start with Ephesians 5.16 with the first phrase, do, uh, and, and that's making the best use of the time. Now, the word that's used there, that's a phrase that's translating a word, redeeming. Uh, but redeeming is one of those words that has multiple meanings in its context. Normally, we think of redeeming as something that's being bought back. But it is also something that is being used according to the opportunity before you. To redeem something is to use it well based on the opportunities that God has put before you. And that's more in line with the use here. And so this idea of... of, of uh, looking at it as to making the best use of the time, 
would be a, a good picture of it. And so, naturally, if you know, those of you who know me, this takes me off on a rabbit trail, and sometimes I go down the rabbit hole. But uh, I, the question that comes to me is, what do I do with my time? Um, I don't know if you've ever had to keep a log of what you, for instance, watch on television. Has anybody in here ever participated in the Nelson TV ratings? Okay. So they send you a little pamphlet that goes with each one of your TVs. They say, how many TVs do you have? And uh, most of us will have to say at least two, but some of us maybe even say none, which is, uh, I bless you. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, and, but all of a sudden you're thinking, oh, I'm going to write that down. I, you know, how, what value is you, know, you really have to, it makes you think about what it is you're watching and maybe even how often you're watching it. But this idea of what you do with your time came, came to me in a sense of, of why am I even concerned about it? And I realized because time is, it has a value to it. Those of you who are working, the majority of you by far, you are surrendering a certain amount of your time for a certain exchange because it has value. It has value to you. You wouldn't do this for free. And it has value to someone else. They need you, you know, and they need your skill or whatever it is. But time, in a sense, it, it, we want to look at it, it has a value. And to, for something to have value, it has to have certain qualities. And so I started looking at time and, and, and things that we use to describe it. Uh, time is short. The older you are, the faster you nod to that. Uh, those of us who are, are, are the senior citizen group, uh, we turn around and, and we say, gee, our grandparents were right. They said, at some point we're going to look back and say, what happened to it? And if you think about this, if time is, is so valuable, and it is, how come I can't remember what I did with it? August 17th, 19, you know, 63. That's a whole 24-hour block of time that I spent doing something. I don't have a clue as to what day that was. Uh, I, I know where I lived at the time. I lived in Santa Barbara. I can guess if it was a weekend where I might have been. Uh, but I can't tell you what I did with it. I can tell you more accurately what I have done with my money than I can tell you what I have done with my time. Uh, maybe you guys are better at that than I am, but that, when I started to think about it, made me really wonder, how much do I value the time? And maybe that has something to do with this whole picture that we're looking at right here this morning. Time is short. It's a limited quantity. And the, the, the real interesting part of that is, is that we have no idea what the limitation is. There isn't one of us in this room that knows exactly how much time we have. Not one of us. I know that time can be used up. I've been accused of that, especially I remember, you used up all your time on that? You know? Uh, or... Oh, that was a good use of time. So time is something that is short, limited quantity. It can be used up. We can run out of it. We say, I just simply ran out of time, which is an interesting statement because you're still standing there. <laughs> but you say, I ran out of time. Therefore, time is precious. It is a precious commodity. I also came up, uh, was thinking of a, a phrase that, 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 you know, you can save time by, and then you, you do this. For instance, I, uh, when I was delivering, uh, worked for a furniture company in, in uh, uh, San Jose, occasionally I had to do deliveries, and especially going into San Francisco and, and, and other things with this big, huge delivery truck. And you realize that you could do better staying off Main Street. You could save 
time. In fact, the warehouse manager got me, handed me one of those map books that connects map pages to map pages and stuff like that. And he would say, you know, if you he was really familiar with it. He says, if you take this route, this route, and this and go this way, you will save a half an hour. Okay? But in reality, you know, that's a, kind of a, 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 not a true statement. You really can't save time. You can't store it up. You can't bank it for future use in the sense of, of once it's gone, it's gone. Now, I can do something to save time to make more time here for something else, which is really what he was talking about. And we are obsessed with that. How many of you have a microwave? Why do we have a microwave? Because it does it faster. Maybe you don't like what happens in a microwave, so you got a confection oven because it still does it faster. And I've watched all of those Ranco commercials over the years, set it and, let, and leave it and whatever so you can go do something else with your time. All of those kinds of rotisseries and things that cook your meat faster and better and whatever. We are obsessed with saving time. That is the avenue today still for the better mousetrap. How many of you, I think of this going back to, to some, was on a, a video the other day, how many of you would, would, would be, you know, that are really into computers, want to go back 20 years ago? How about the matrix printer? You know, the, or the, 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 not the, the one with the ball, how's that? You know, the, the automatically printed with the, the perforated paper on the side that rolls through, and you know, you'd sit there, and just the fact that it went from there to there without me having to touch anything, I was amazed. In fact, sometimes you'd find yourself standing there watching that little ball going, how does it know to do when it goes backwards? That all the, you know, yeah, and and there's a there's a little computer or something in there, a chip of some kind, telling it to, you know, print different. It's printing backwards. I can read backwards because that's normal for me. But but you know, printing backwards like that, it, I, well, it's just amazing. If I had to wait for that printer today, I would be angry probably. I'd be frustrated, right, Phil? <laughs> we just you know, we, we want, you know, anything. And so that is the market today. If you can find, that's, like I said, the better mousetrap today. If you can find some way to save time on some particular common chore or, or situation, then you're going to possibly make a lot of money. The little vacuum that automatically goes, bumps into the wall and bumps into things and just keeps going. You just turn it on and leave it all day, and it eventually will cover your floor. can't really store it up. Spend less time on one thing so I can spend more time on something else. But time, one thing it does not do is it doesn't stand still. It doesn't stand still for anyone or anything. And every time I would say something like that, somebody's going to go to the Bible and say, but yes, there is a point in time where God supernaturally intervened and caused time stand still okay and I don't have a problem with that I don't I think that absolutely happened but that's a miraculous thing on a day-to-day -day basis time simply is spent and you can't avoid spending it you've already spent an hour here this morning and there is no reclaiming that period it must be spent it will be spent and once it's spent, you cannot buy it back. You can't buy more. And uh, I think all of that is what adds to its value. I mean, you realize that there are people that have been looking at chirogenics since the 50s, that there are literally some people who have parts of their body frozen, anticipating that they're going to get more time somehow because there'll be some miraculous science breakthrough. I don't know who used this picture first, but I've heard it more than once. But in the early morning, say uh, late fall around here, you can step out and it's just when the, the weather really starts to change and it's really crisp early in the morning and you step out on your porch and you breathe out and you can see your, your, your breath, you can see the vapor and 
the picture was you breathe out, you see your breath, and then it's gone. That's it. You never get that breath back. And it's the same with time. In fact, that period of time, as you watched your breath breathe out, the time it took you to watch that and think, oh, wow, it's cold. <laughs> that moment is gone. So we've established at least this much. Valuable, time is valuable. It's a limited resource. And here we're told to redeem it. And in this sense of redeeming, again, not buying back, but making the best use of, of it uh, towards a specific purpose or goal. And for us as believers, there is a specific purpose that God has given us. In a general format, we could say our purpose is to glorify God. Declare his word. Accomplish his will, his purpose. The things that he would have us do. And we're to do all of this, according to verse 16, in the midst of evil days. Now, what evil days are here is the age we live in. I'm convinced when it refers to evil days here, it's from the time of the cross to, to the time of the second coming, from the beginning of the, the first coming to the second coming. We live in an age you could call the evil days. All you have to do is look around. Every day something is happening on the news, locally and, and, and globally, nationally, that would draw your attention to something bad that's happened. We live in a fallen world. So we live in an age of evil days. So during this time, we have been given at least two things to do in verse 9 of chapter 12. Abhor what is evil and to cling to or cleave to or hold fast to what is good. And so it caused me to think, okay, evil would be things that God hates. Now, you know, we're 12, is, is there any little children in here left this morning? Because this one can get confusing, because we tell our kids it's wrong to hate, okay? And that is true. We don't have to hate people, you know. You know, a little child gets in an argument with their, their brother or their sister or whatever. I hate you. you know, I don't want to talk to you again. And we call them aside. You don't hate. We don't hate. You know, we go through all of that. But there are some things that God hates. And I, I was initially brought to this with uh, Donald Barnhouse uh, in, in his commentary on Romans. But I was curious. So I just typed in on the web things that God hates. And the thing that the, the Barnhouse singled out was the very first thing on the list. And it took me to Proverbs chapter 6. There are some things that God hates. Disdain. Does not like to see. Proverbs 6.16 there are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans. Also, another translation, a scheming heart. Okay. Feet that make haste to run to evil. A false witness who breathes out lies. And one who sows discord among brothers. Interesting list. And I realize that there's seven sermons there. I'm not, and, and so my decision was not to even go to defining these things other than saying to you, you, you know, if, this is something to, to look at and to, to wrestle with and think about. Seven things that God hates. Well, then what are the things that God loves? If you, you know, we have to, to, to realize that we say God is what? Love. John 
writes it several times. God is love, yet I see that he hates something. Why does he hate it? Because it opposes his righteousness, his holiness, and what he knows is good for us. All of these things, you notice, are directed towards what man does to other men, what people do to other people. As a result, the pain and the suffering that it causes. God hates to see that. He wants us to be at peace with each other, peace with him, peace with each other. And so I was thinking, things that God loves. And, and for me, the, you know, the first thing that jumped into my mind was, was Matthew chapter 5, the Beatitudes. That's a good place, you know. And so I, I went to the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of, of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are those who meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And I thought, a lot of this is still this interacting between people. You know, how we treat one another, how we love one another, how we care for one another. So I saw the Beatitudes. Yes, that's a good place to start. And then last week, uh, where's Stephanie? Psalm 51. Isn't it last week that you read that from the, in the singing? That is such a powerful psalm because it shows what a real broken heart is when it comes before the throne of God concerning personal sin. And I thought, so God likes a per this picture of Beatitudes. He, 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 he comes alongside the broken heart. When we cry out in our, in our sin that we've created the pit of our sin, he pulls us out if we cry out to him, sets us on the rock, puts a new song in our mouth. And I think all of this is a picture of God's love. And I kept having to go with, with this bigger, <laughs> bigger. God loves man. And I wrote down the obvious verse for this. 1 John 3.16, and then I said, you know, I use that probably every other Sunday. So I went to 1 John 4, 7, 8, and 9. Still John, but different place. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. He who loveth, no, oh, I'm not going to. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. And I looked at this. What does it mean to hold fast to something that is good? We hold fast to the very first and foremost thing, the love of God in us, being at peace with God this way and desiring to have the love of God this way. That's what it means to me as I went through this, the biggest picture I could come up with, to hold fast. To cleave, the picture to cleave here, <laughs> this, this hold fast is the same one that Jesus, a husband will cleave to his wife Okay, it's to be glued, and, and uh, uh, it was described in such a way uh, by one commentator as to if, if the two pieces of paper that are glued together and dried so that they're, you know, they're like one, they're bonded together, when you try to rip them apart, you can't do it successfully without you know, pieces sticking to the other. That's to cleave. It's a bond that can't really be broken. Okay, to cleave. So we cleave first to God. And then we cleave to our spouses and our family and to one another. And ultimately, we even love our neighbors as we love ourselves. And that ourself, I believe, is, is well, it's singular, meaning how you care for yourself, how you care for those that, that you are, you're in charge to care for as well. Paul said this is also in Romans chapter 5. Uh, Verse eight, uh, yeah, verses 8 through 11. God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we, how much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God? For if while we were sinners or enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his love. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. How much did he love us? According to John and Paul, he first loved us before we ever thought of him. He loved us before the foundation of the world. To cleave to that which is good, to hang on to, uh, to, to grab a hold of or hold fast to what is good is to hold fast to the things that God loves and the love of God itself. And the neat thing is, is that Paul makes it absolutely clear that once we enter into that love relationship, there's nothing that will pull you away from it. He writes in Romans 8, For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's what we have to hold fast to. And one of the things as we look at our time in evil days around us is are we holding fast to the love of God? Are we making time for that? Are we putting time towards that? Are we investing time in that? You're here this morning, so I'm preaching to the choir, uh, so to speak, uh, in, that, in that sense. But it's not just here, is it? In order for this to become a a strong, powerful reality. It doesn't say occasionally practices. The idea and the verbs that are used put it in the context of continually be doing this. As we are continually needing to be filled with the Spirit we talked about two weeks ago, there's the need to continually be abhorring what is evil, can only be done when you're filled with the Spirit, and holding fast to what is good, cleaving, being glued to it. Am I glued to the love of God? Well, at a couple of fingertips, maybe. You know, I mean, I, I have to confess, you know, it's not like it's boom. Because I see day to day my attitude that doesn't reflect that. But I can tell you, one of the things that I know is, is that it's not, it, it, the, it, it's something that I can say with, with, with confidence, it has grown. I'll leave it there because not grown as much as anybody would want it to. Abhorring what is evil, holding fast to what is good, being glued to what is good, being glued to the love of God, redeeming the time during evil days. And then I realized as I put that together, he used Christ, he used his limited time. I just read it and in 1 John and in, in Romans 5, he used his limited time. He, he became a man, entered into time with a limited amount of time. Unlike any of us, he knew exactly how much time he had. There's a point in Luke where it says he turned his face towards Jerusalem and, and basically the idea, and he never looked back. And in fact, he started talking more to his disciples at that point about what was going to happen at the end of his physical time here in the body that he uh, was poured into, if you will, emptied into. He used this limited time to do what? Redeem the church. That's how he redeemed his time. His whole life was committed to redeeming the church, showing his love for us before we ever loved him, the plan before the foundation of the world, redeeming us. And he also used his time to show the church what it should look like to hold fast to what is good. He embraced people that other people would have thrown away, had discarded, called outcasts. He even told us very much, very clearly. 
feeding the hungry, clothing the, the naked, giving water to the thirsty. He revealed the very nature, character, and love of God to us. And one of the most powerful pictures for that for me, and I share it often, but I don't, run, I don't apologize for it, nor do I get tired of it, and that's the picture put forth in Ephesians chapter 5. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Why? That he might sanctify her, to purify, to make righteous, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without any spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. What Christ did on the cross, redeeming the time the way he did, to purchase us from our sin showed him holding fast to the love and the will and the purpose of God so that we could be saved. And I realize that as we hold fast to the love of God, it has to shape our priorities as well. And I'm just going to challenge you as I have been challenged. Somebody, somebody will frequently say after a sermon like this, boy, you really poked me or you stabbed me or you made me bleed. Only as much as I've bled all the last couple of weeks going over this stuff. As you realize, as you make that self-assessment, I want to be more. I want God's love really glued to me. I want to abound in it more and more. Look at what he did. He took the limited, precious time he had to redeem us from our sins. So that when he said on the cross, it is finished, it was done. Ask the ushers to, to come forward for communion. Hold the communion until we've all been served, and we'll share it together.
the night that Jesus was betrayed as he shared the supper with his disciples, made that very clear picture that we share in communion every week, that he was really God in the flesh. He used the picture of the bread as his body, a body that was affected like our bodies are affected by anything and everything, hunger, sleep, fatigue, tired, pain, sorrow. And always with that picture, even as a 12-year-old in the temple, well, didn't you know I'd be about my father's business? That purpose in his mind of directing towards his path of following the will of God in everything that he does. And so he shares with them that last meal together. He says, this is my body broken for you. And as often as you take this and eat this, I want you to do it in remembrance of me. And we were to have that picture. He really came in the flesh to redeem us. And he really went to the cross to redeem us. Let's share the bread together. And he took the cup and offered it to them as a picture of his blood to be poured out to purchase the covenant. Those words that would come from the end of his life as his blood had been poured out. It is finished. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. And he asked us as often as we do this again to do it in remembrance of him and to do it until he comes again. Let's share. Father, again, we thank you for the opportunity to come to this table to be reminded of all that you have done for us. And I would ask, Lord, just simply that each of us would be drawn closer to you in the sense of desire to have your love, your character, your, your, your attitude towards the things around us, abhorring what is evil and holding fast to what is good. Mm -hmm. And we thank you for what you have done to draw us into this now we again come to you and offer ourselves, as Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 tell us to, we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice that you might cause us to not be conformed to the world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Cause us to draw into your word daily to allow that to happen. Your Holy Spirit to fill us continuously in order to grasp and, 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 and grow in that and to abound in love more and more. We worship you and thank you for the grace you've lavished out on us. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we close this morning, I'd like to have an opportunity to uh, pray uh, specifically for Stephanie. I know that she didn't know that I was doing this to her. Uh, but I asked your dad's permission. And he said I could. So uh, Stephanie had asked that you come down here. She is leaving for Guatemala for two weeks, right? Well, you're going to be gone for two weeks. And uh, she's, it's her first mission adventure. Parents, come forward, please. Mom, too, yes. And uh, we would like to anoint you with oil and lay hands on you and pray for you to have a successful mission with your team and that God would bless you and protect you and to keep you in the process. So I'd ask the parents to come over behind her and... Uh, Lay your hands on her, please. Father, we come to join together as a congregation through the elders, the parents of Stephanie, to ask, Lord, that you would, first off, cause her to abound more and more in love. Mm -hmm. As she goes into the mission field, Lord, I feel that this is going to be an opportunity to extend that, prepare her for that, minister to her even now and over this next week, uh, to, to gear her up for that in you, filling her with her spirit on a fresh basis to, to the purposes of, of this ministry. Father, that you would uh, uh, cause her to be blessed and to be a blessing to those that they go to, but also as a team of, of, of just locking them together as a team and drawing them close to you, Lord, to accomplish your purpose and your will, that you would be glorified and that your love would be shared. 
and the people would be saved and touched and ministered to in such a way that they would know the God of all creation has been amongst them. Oh, Lord, just bless her and their team. Father, I too ask that you be with Stephanie and especially be with her as she travels and be a, in this foreign country uh, and other members of the team. I also ask, Father, that, that you will open her eyes to uh, your great work in this area that she'll be at. Let her see the needs that are there. We pray that she and her team will be in, not only encouraged and strengthened and, uh, uh, and, and see your mighty work there, but that w they would also be recipients of your mighty work, mm -hmm. that, that you uh, will, will bless them, that you'll care for them, and that you will give them everything they need while they're there. And uh, we just pray that maybe some of these young people who are going on this trip might one day even respond to the calling of uh, full-time mission mm. in uh, this part of the world or other parts in the world. And we just ask again that your word will go out and that, that many will come to know Christ through it. In Jesus' name. Okay. Father, I know how emotional this is for mom and dad to let go. And uh, especially for the first time to let her really out of their their sight and, and into a situation that has risk. And uh, Lord, I ask that you would bless them. Cause them to be able to rest in you in absolute confidence. The God of all creation, the God of our salvation is looking after their daughter. We thank you for this opportunity. We ask again, you'll bless it in every way. They can't miss from at home, the parents, to us here, to, to their mother in Guatemala. They can't miss seeing the hand of God move. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us in that. And, uh, and I want to encourage you to be praying for her. This week is the preparation time, getting really geared up for it. And over the next couple of weeks, of course, we'll be praying for her here in the, in the service, but adding that to a daily part of your prayer as well. And so uh, thank you for being here this morning. Would you stand as we close? Have some refreshments in the back if you would like to uh, fellowship for a little while and have some time to share together. And, uh, you know, I know that it's rodeo weekend, but look at what time. I'm out early. So... <laughs>